Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Gittas Whelan, Swansea City fan, and for the purposes of this uh, podcast, Wales fan too, uh, also a member of the Jackcast, which you can find at the Jackcast on Twitter. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Yep, my name is Dylan Arvella, uh, and yeah, I'm a Portugal fan, so quite happy at the moment. Uh, and, and I also host the Box to Box podcast, which you can find on Twitter at TBTB Podcast. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, because this is a full show. We haven't done one of these in a while, uh, but we'll quickly be going through and talking about how our countries performed at the Euros, and by our countries, I mean not Dan or mine. Uh, so we'll start off, nope. obviously, with Gitto. Obviously, Wales had a very deep run in the tournament. How did you feel about the Welsh performance throughout? It was absolutely incredible. I've got to be honest. It surpassed all our expectations, all our dreams. Uh, We haven't qualified for a major championship since 1958. uh, And that really does dig into the national psyche after a while, if I'm honest. So just qualifying was a really huge achievement. And... Um, I think we were all targeting so qualification beyond, well, beyond the group stages. But beyond that, we didn't really have any kind of expectations. But I thought we were um, brilliant in the group stages against Slovakia and Russia, a bit too negative, And maybe the occasion got the better of us against England. Don't think we were as good as um, we could have been in that game. Um, but then Northern Ireland was one where we had to grind it out uh, and then probably the greatest performance ever by a Welsh team in the quarterfinals. Um, feel immensely privileged to have been in that stadium uh, when we beat Belgium 3-1 because we weren't expected to do it. Belgium had just found their mojo. They were really finally clicking, it seemed. And then we came along and despite going a goal behind, just showed amazing personality and played some incredible football. Um, scored undoubtedly won the goals of the tournament uh, and and pulled off an amazing result. It was just absolutely insane. Um, We're the smallest country ever to make it to the semi-finals of the Euros. We're actually the smallest country ever to make it to the semi-finals of any major um, tournament, apart from Uruguay in 1950 and 1930, when apparently they had a smaller population than Wales does now. but that's quite an achievement, really, when you think about it. Um, we, we, we've only got three million people. We, we've only got a limited pool to choose from. But we just happen to have an absolutely outstanding generation of footballers at the moment um, who have really made our dreams come true. Um, 
I mean, it's if for those of you not living in Wales, it's it's really had a massive impact on the country because things are pretty terrible here at the moment politically. Um, the country's in absolute shambles. Um, we've the economy's not doing great since the Brexit vote. Um, everybody's bit down really. Um, and then this comes along, and it's just given the whole country a massive, massive lift. When the team came back to Cardiff the other day. There were 200,000 people uh, lining the streets of Cardiff. Uh, when you consider the population of Cardiff is less than 300,000, um, that gives you an idea of you know just just how big it was. And it, it was you know we, we've we've never seen scenes like that for anything in this country. Um, so to see it for football was was absolutely insane. But people are so proud. We 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 just are amazingly proud. We've had an amazing journey on and off the pitch. Everybody, it's cured so many problems with Welsh football, like the Cardiff, the Cardiff Swansea thing, which used to be a major problem during internationals. That's gone now. There was there was pretty much nothing uh, out in France. Um, everywhere we've gone, we've created a good impression. Just just brilliant. In the end, the Portugal game was was one game too many for us. We 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 just could we we couldn't find a way through Portugal at all. Um, but there was no shame in exiting in the semi-finals. Um, it, it was just an absolutely amazing experience all around. All right, uh, Dylan, you got a little name drop there from uh, the Wales perspective as well. Obviously, I imagine you're going to have a somewhat positive take considering that Portugal have won Euro 2016. Yes, uh, that's for sure. And so I will start out to say that I didn't feel it was the uh, greatest tournament ever, but perhaps Portugal were the team that uh, was symbolic of that. Uh, the most. Um, not many people really predicted Portugal uh, doing as well as they did, and especially after the group stage, which I admit was really, really poor. And we, were, in fact, we were a benefit of this new expanded tournament, which um, I think I did say on this show it rewards mediocrity. Uh, in Portugal, they they definitely didn't deserve to go through in a group that was. Uh, quite average. Um, but in the end, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, nah, we can't go through because we didn't deserve to. And uh, thank God for that. Um, I have been on the show a few times after all the games, but I will just touch over, touch briefly on the games in the knockout stages. Uh, first up, we had Croatia, which f for mine, they had been the team of the tournament up until that stage. And Portugal, after getting four goals against Hungary, uh, three goals against Hungary, we really blunted a Croatian side that had uh, had a really strong performance against Spain in their previous match. Um, <laughs> a lot of people will remember that match for how unrememberable, unrememberable it, it was, 120 minutes of quite dour football. But for me, that was all worth it uh, with about three or four minutes to go with Sanchez Renato Sanchez, the 18-year-old, Nani, Ronaldo, and Karejma all linking up for the goal that pretty much, well, it did it put us through to the quarterfinals where we faced Poland, um, conceded an early goal to, Lewandow to, the, to Lewandowski, um, unmarked in the box, and quality finish. But to the Portuguese credit, they didn't really sort of lose lose their their focus. They stuck to the game plan. And Sanchez, the 18-year-old, he he was the the highlight of that match. He ended up being the 
end of the match. He scored the equalising goal about half an hour later, which his drive and link up with Nani was incredible. And to think he's only 18, it's it's a real positive for the Portuguese going forward. We won the game on penalties uh, after five perfect penalties. Um, penalties, you know, someone's always going to be unlucky. And this time it was the Polish, but I did feel over the 120 minutes we did deserve to go through. And then Gitto touched on it earlier, the semi-final against Wales. Of course, Wales were without Aaron Ramsey and Ben Davis. And especially Ramsey is was is a vital part of that, that side. But Portugal, they were off also without William Cavalho, who plays a vital role in this Portuguese setup under Fernando Santos. And um, Pepe was actually ruled out, which meant Bruno Alves came in. And that actually meant that we used 21 of the 20, our 23-man squad. Um, the only players that weren't used at this tournament were the two extra goalkeepers, which is, is a sign that Fernando Santos was willing to um, try things around to get the right results. But also with the amount of changes, he didn't go away from his uh, fundamental philosophy which and formation, which revolved around a narrow 4-4-2. Uh, in that game against the Welsh, the Welsh was probably our best performance of the tournament in the way that we really um, were the better team for, I think Gitto will agree, the whole, the whole game. They ended up relying pretty much on bail long-range efforts, which I think uh, not having Ramsey was a was the reason why they could, couldn't get close enough to the goal to really get shots from inside the box. Of course, that that goal uh, saw the resurgence of Cristiano Ronaldo, who, other than the two goals against Hungary, had had, had up until that stage quite an average tournament. A textbook header... Um, we've seen him do it so many times for Real Madrid and it was fantastic to see him put us in front there. Then Nani, a couple of minutes later, uh, a scuffed scuffed shot uh, end up at, from Ronaldo, ended up at Nani's feet. And I touched on it earlier, William Cavalli and Pepe were out. Danilo and Bruno Alves slotted in uh, really seamlessly, which is a testament to how well Santos has drilled this squad so everyone's aware of what their role is. Um and I have been I've been a critic of Fernando Santos, and I I said to Kevin a few few weeks ago that I at this stage at this at this stage I didn't think he was would have a job, but thankfully he does have a job, and uh, Portugal have a their first international trophy. But onto the final, we faced the host France, twelve years after we hosted Greece in that um, notorious final in Lisbon. I was in Lisbon at that stage. It was my first tournament experience. Yes, I was only a young kid back then, but I was really caught up in that, and I remember the emotions after losing that final degree. So, um, but the difference there is we were odds-on favourites. Um, I don't think anyone were backing the Greeks back then, and I think that could have been this, the same scenario there. Not many people fancied the Portuguese, uh, and a lot, of, a lot of the people that did said, you know, Ronaldo, including me on the on my last show for the EPL roundtable, Ronaldo was going to have to have a huge game. The opening twenty minutes, really nervy. There's so many misplaced passes. Um, 
<laughs> which had me quite worried. And then Ronaldo was off with a knee injury. Credit to him, he, he tried to soldier on through, but he, in the end, uh, probably it was probably best for the team that the uh, swap came. And, you know, like I just touched on then, Ronaldo was obviously a key part of us winning that game, and that really shook up everything. But credit once again to Santos. He didn't change the formation. He didn't change what, what we were trying to do. He brought on Karejima, who has has been a vital vital impact player for the Portuguese, and he did he did the job that he needed to do uh, for the Portuguese in this game. Um, and really, France, I think they finished the tournament with the most goals. Other than two headers from Griezmann, one that forced a fantastic save from Rui Patricio, and one that he headed over the bar that he really probably should have done better, and the Gignac hitting, Gignac hitting the post, I don't feel France were able to create too much, which I think is testament to the partnership of Pepe and Jose Fonte, which I think was fantastic. And I think they're... 32 and 33 now. It would be interesting to see how long they stay in, but that's only a new partnership, and you can see how well they blend together. And, of course, William Cavallo was sensational. Uh, 80 minutes into the game, Renato Sanchez <laughs> was taken off, and I think everyone that was watching it was like, what is going on? Because, of course, uh, Edur came into, came into the match, Um I know that on the EPL roundtable that he's had a lot of critics and I know he isn't a very good player. And But all I need to say is that his time at Swansea was a lot worse than his time at Braga and his six-month spell in uh, Liga. Um, so he's not great, but he, didn't, he, he probably didn't help himself at Swansea um, but anyway, back to the game. I actually tweeted a little bit after he came on before the goal that his hold-up play was really good because it, it sort of changed the formation in regards to Nani and Kroosma went a bit wider and we had a focal point and he was able to push the French defence line back with some really good hold-up play and he actually ended up with three aerial, aerial wins, uh, which was the most for the game. Um, and of course, in extra time, 110 minutes in, uh, the goal that beat Lloris, it looked, it was a, people say it was a perfect strike, but it seemed seemed a little bit wobbly to me, but it really will go down in history. And as he may as well retire because that's going to be the greatest moment of his career. And I think good on him because he, he's, he did come from, he, he, he's been much maligned and no one would have tipped him to be the, be the winner of this game and the fact that we were able to do it without Ronaldo even though he was running up and down the touchline in the end it sort of dispelled the idea that Portugal are a one-man team and that especially under Santos it's, it's definitely more about the team than individual talents of course as I touched on earlier Portugal's first major trophy which is a fantastic uh, moment for the nation a nation that really revolves around football. And Portugal, they've had their own financial struggles uh, sort of along the lines of Greece, but not played out in the media as much, well, at least where I'm from, than the Greece financial issues. So I think uh, this 
this tournament win will really bring a lot of positives into Portuguese society. Santos, he compl- he's completely changed the Portuguese philosophy. They've been known for playing fast, counter-attacking football, uh, flair over function, but he, um, he's stuck, gone to 4 2 what he's used his whole career. He's, he's embedded this idea of we can win with this, we can win with this, and I don't think... I don't think that would have been an easy thing to do with the likes of Nani and Cristiano Ronaldo, and, the, and I'm glad to say that they, they've they've taken those ideas on board and they've reaped the rewards for that. Um, I'm not going to say I predicted this, and I did say like, that I didn't think uh, Santos was the man to take Portugal forward, but obviously, obviously, I'm wrong. It was sensational. Um, some will say it was. It was an undeserved win. Uh, I, I can understand that. Understand that in the group stage they were poor, but that's you can blame your wafer because the the rules the rules uh, were made up by them. And from Croatia onwards in the round of sixteen, I feel that every win we deserved. Um, and yeah, fantastic times for the the Portuguese. Yeah, well, congratulations again. Uh, now we're going to move on to the tournament on a broader hole and just quickly go through uh, the moments that we liked most that happened on the pitch and off the pitch. Get to obviously you have a different perspective as you were able to be there for some of it. What were some of your favorite moments? Um, concerning Wales, first of all, I mean, the, the my favorite moment on the pitch was probably Hal Robson-Kanu scoring um, both of his goals, actually. Well, the, the winner against Slovakia was... Mm. Um, same, but then of course that Cruyff turn against Belgium uh, was just amazing, and it came at such a amazing, a, a fantastic stage of the game for us when it really could have gone either way. And, and um, that that the, the well, we just exploded. We really did. It, it was just unbelievable um, to witness that. Um, Gareth Bale's free kick against England of it was good, but it, obviously it didn't last. Um, I broke several bones, I think, celebrating that goal. Um, <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I, I mean, in a wider sense, it, I think Dylan pointed out that it's not been a great tournament. I don't think they've been, you know, unless you're a Portugal fan, unless you're a Wales fan or an Iceland fan or, you know, one or two others, I, I don't think you've got too many great memories of this tournament. Um, in terms of great goals, I think Shakiri's bicycle kick was... The, the best goal of the tournament in my eyes. Um, so, and, um, yeah, I, I, and, and actually, I'd, I'd probably give it to Iceland beating England. That was absolutely amazing to, to, to see that, not just as a Wales fan, but, you know, it, it, was, it was just a fantastic upset um, and really gave England a bloody nose that they deserved for their arrogance before the match. Um, and then off the pitch, um, in Wales, we've had so many memories off the pitch. It's been, we've, we've just loved every single second, mixing with fans from different countries, um, the singing, the the dancing, uh, the drinking, obviously. Um, but uh, if, if one thing stands out, it's probably getting back into Lille City Centre after uh, the Belgian match, uh, coming off of the subway there and then walking out to see hundreds of Belgian fans just waiting there applauding us as we got back in um, and saying, you know, how much, um, you know, they, they they wanted us to do well in the competition. They were glad that if anybody could knock them out, um, it was us. Um, it was a real show of class. 
and if I'm honest, what football should all be about. So I'll say that's my favorite off-field moment. All right, Dan, what, what were your favorites? Uh, my favorite on-field was probably either Iceland beating England or Iceland's last-minute winner against Austria, which led that commentator to lose every fiber of his body. <laughs> um, I'll go with the Austria one, because Gitto mentioned uh, Iceland over England. But um, yeah, that was just awesome, and the commentary made it all the better. Off-field moment is probably manager Ronaldo, because that was amazing on every single level. Uh, that was so so funny throughout the, the like the last well like 10 minutes of the game he was going insane it was hilarious Dylan who was that player that tried to come off injured that Ronaldo shoved back onto the pitch um I think it was Rafael Guerrero yeah. was the left back yeah um, yeah yeah because yeah, he'd been down and then he tried to come off and you could you could tell from Ronaldo's expression that his reaction was I'm actually hurt you go win us a European championship, please I think and thanks. The referee thanks. told him to go off. <laughs> that's the that's the funny thing. The referee, Mark, send him off. No, Mark. It is my. I am Ronaldo. I make the rules. <laughs> Which totally probably happened, but. <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved that as well. And uh, tapping his wrist. Yeah. In a very Fergie esque. Oh manner. yeah, I was gonna say United accounts were all over that. They're like, remind you of anyone? He's gonna come manage just one day. <laughs> And to be fair, every manager in the history of football has done that, so... But yeah. he's Ronaldo, and he's United's <laughs> son, apparently. Yeah, He's going to go back one day, Dylan. Yeah, one day. <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, did you have an off-field... Oh, you, you were saying that was the Ronaldo one. Fair enough. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Dylan, I assume that your favorite on-field moment was uh, collecting a trophy. Although technically that was up some stairs. But yeah. uh, what were your moments? <laughs> um, I touched on it earlier. The goal against Croatia, I think, was was sensational. Um, four of our four of our best players in Karajma, Ronaldo. It was interesting. I put Karajma first. Karajma, Ronaldo, Nani, Ronaldo, Sanchez linking up. I'll just go over the goal 
again, because I, I was, it was sensational considering how under the cosh we were against Croatia at that stage in extra time. We were definitely um, going to be content with penalties at that stage. Ronaldo picked it up, played it into Ronaldo Sanchez, who had about a 50-yard 50, 50 run off to Nani, crossed to Ronaldo, Ronaldo shot, fantastic save by Subasic and Karajma with the header. To, uh, I lost my mind. That was incredible. Um partly because how poor Portugal had been beforehand, but that was probably my individual happiest moment of the tournament before the actual final. Um, also, I really liked Santos's boldness in the media throughout the knockout stage. He, he was getting pelters for the way that Portugal were playing, but one of the, uh, I'm paraphrasing a little, but he was saying something along the lines of, I'd rather be here looking ugly than back in Lisbon, having played pretty. And really, that's that served him well. Portugal have never won playing pretty. And now we've reverted, we've gone to this. And maybe maybe it's not the best attitude long term, but we've got the win and that's sensational. And his sort of arrogance in that sense reminded me a little bit of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, other than Portugal, um, England's win over Wales was quite quite exciting for me. I've got a lot of English friends and I was watching that game with um, with them at a sports club. They're quite a, a dour bunch and very negative about the about the, their team, but when they scored that last minute winner, um, they were like a bunch of bunch of eight year olds in the sense of how excited they were, which I so I got caught up in that. Um, I'm not not a huge England fan. I'm don't like the way they play. It's it's linked to the Iceland win, which I think was sensational for the tournament. But um, that that was really a, a memorable moment. Uh, Shakira's goal, like Guido was saying, that's definitely my goal of the tournament. Obviously, it equalised, but the technique outside the box, overhead, bottom corner. Uh, and also, I mentioned for the, uh, as a referee myself, <laughs> the, the, the final referee, Mark Kladenberg, um, you know, an FA Cup final, a Champions League final, and now he's got a Euro final under his belt. And I think they were saying maybe on the football ramble he could uh, deserve the Ballon d'Or this year. <laughs> Based on his performances his tongue, in the big his tournaments, his tongue deserves a Ballon d'Or, <laughs> or his arms from doing that motion for them to get the that thing too, for Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. Um, for me, uh, I was super happy when Toby got a headed goal uh, because that was pretty much the only impactful thing a Tottenham player did at this tournament. Uh, oh, there was the dire free kick. That was just strange. That was that was very surreal. The fact that Kane and Dyer were taking free kicks for England is not evidence of how bad Kane and Dyer are. It's how bad England are that those were the people taking the kicks. Um, but getting away from that, so I did like the Toby header. Uh, but I gotta say, I, I really liked um, watching that uh, Wales Belgium match. I, I just, I know that it's already been discussed, but everybody has been calling Belgium a door car, a door cars, a dark horse for so long, and they've always lacked. The, the team ethos that, that is shared by so many. I, I mentioned before, it felt like Netherlands was at this tournament when I was watching Belgium. 
where you just have all the talent in the world and just can't find a way to connect it. But even some of those disjointed Netherlands teams did incredibly well at tournaments. Uh, losing in the final in South Africa, then coming in third uh, in Brazil. But it, it's just such a problem. The, the fact that they never played Dembele, I think, was just a ridiculous, ridiculous occurrence. They only um, played against Ireland, and they won 4-0. Yeah, and they were like, mm. Granted, Ireland's crap, but But they are like, still. what worked? Let's make sure we don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, it, it was just very strange. So, so to see them kind of punished for that, I thought, was appropriate. Also, um, their manager is beloved Wilmots is beloved for some reason in Belgium and he might have been the worst manager at this tournament oh if not worse the one that underperformed the most uh, some of his decisions were insane taking off Carrasco uh for Fellaini is one of the stranger moves I've ever seen although to be fair taking off Payet and Giroud was also a bit strange in the final yeah, Deschamps um, had a mare, but still, he wasn't yeah, anywhere. He wasn't was, as bad as Vilmont. Ooh, that yeah, was, subs were but that bad. was really bad. In a match that clearly looks like a defensive deadlock that might go to penalties, very strange decision. But um, I digress. Uh, but yeah, so pretty much th- that whole Wales game, and I, I agree that the uh, Howrops and Kanu turn where he just lost three defenders. Uh, Gitcho, be honest, did you think he had that in his locker? No. Right? Yeah. No one no one did. In fairness, how many players do have it in their locker to Cruyff turn in the box and take out three defenders before finishing the way he did? It was it was something that no players it, it's just something you don't see in football that, To be that, fair, you shouldn't be attempting that. No, uh, you shouldn't. The, the defenders looked so confused it was going on too. But they just didn't understand what just took. happened to them. What what? Uh, wait, what? Yeah. What? No. Yeah. I've never, I've never watched a goal so many times uh, as I have watched that goal. I've watched it with French commentary, with German commentary, <laughs> Arabic yeah. commentary, on top of obviously Welsh and English commentary. I've, I've watched it hundreds and hundreds of times. I think it may be our new national flag. The picture <laughs> of Robson Khan mm-hmm. turning away from Fellaini, Munia, and Denaya. To be fair, that just... would be a shame, because you have a pretty sweet flag already. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys have a one-nation tournament that doesn't need a new flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you... It's the dragon with Harrobs and Karen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> riding it. Harrobs and Karen riding yes. the dragon. <laughs> let it, let it oh. be made. Oh, and um, am I allowed to change my on-the-field moment to every single corner from Harry Kane? Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. <laughs> It was so Just bad. every single one. And like, the fact that like, Hodgson's defense was that he was the best one in training. That's why I was saying England should feel bad. It's not Kane's fault that he's not yeah, very yeah. good at them. It's England's fault or Hodgson's fault for perceiving that. But if it's true that he was literally putting in the best balls in training, there is a deep and systemic issue within the FA. Yeah. I was like, I agree with the logic of Harry Kane taking the corners. Like, have your best corner taker take it. But he has to actually be good at it. And he also should have been on the other end of those balls. And surely he mustn't be their best corner taker. Like, I just cannot believe that. <laughs> I know. I don't think anyone can. But it's at a certain point, you have to, like, let the manager take the reins on it. And also, it's linked to the diaphragm. Yes, he thumped it in. And yes, it was sensational. But why is he taking it? Yeah. I'm not, like, they have Wade Rudy. We know he's... Like, he's one thing he hasn't lost is he's a decent free kick taker, and I'm assuming still corner taker. Like, and you're having Harry Kane take it. Yeah, 
That, that was very strange. And now every now Kane is again going to be entering a year where he has to weirdly prove himself in a, a setup that did not benefit him at all. Also, by the way, yeah. I just need to shine a little bit of light on how dumb Tottenham fans can be. I attack other fans a lot. We're never shy to point out when people are being dumb. Somebody in a Spurs forum said they wouldn't have Gutsa, which I don't think we would get anyway, but they wouldn't have Gutsa because of how poorly he played in this tournament. And the, the first response, which regained my trust in humanity, was, oh, so we should sell Kane then? <laughs> I thought that that was a terrific tete-a-tete. Uh... But, um, yeah, Kane obviously did not have a good tournament. That... No, but, uh, as soon as the England went out, like, an hour after the game ended, I tweeted, it's going to it's gonna really suck when all the Tottenham players go into a competent system and are good again. Yeah, right? Tip- I honestly think that Pochettino will have to, like, re-coach them up. I think not only did they stagnate, they may have actually taken steps backward at this tournament. Um, I think Dyer will come out of it, okay? Because I think he might... For yeah. mine, he was England's best player. Yeah, possibly. Well, Walker and Rose were good the first two, but the knockout game, both of them, oh my gosh, the crossing it's was a very abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so off the field moments uh, was a Twitter account that I followed. I forget the name of it, and I'm sorry, but it just posted pretty much every uh, Irish fan interaction with anything, whether it be animals or police or cars. All of them were brilliant. And, uh, you know, it was it, it was when there was a whole lot of problems going on internationally. Uh, as Gitto mentioned, uh, globally and the economy have suffered since the whole Brexit thing, which we are not going to get into on this show. Yeah. But but during all of that, then just the, seeing all this horrible news about the pound dropping the most since the yen after the uh, Fukushima incident and all that stuff. And then the next thing being Irish fans trying to put money into a car that they dented, then fixing the car anyway and leaving the money. You you can't help but smile. And, you know, we were dealing with the fan violence, with the Russian versus the English and all that stuff. And so just to see that was very pleasing. And I know, Gitto, I know the Welsh fans have, have given a terrific account of themselves as well. But there wasn't a Twitter account. You probably should have started it. Um, second, that the Irish, we, we had an amazing night out with the Irish in Paris, which was... Just so, so funny. They were brilliant everywhere we went. They really were. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, the, the Irish fans the whole time uh, were probably my, my favorite off-field moment. All right, so going from there to players that impressed, we did get the team of the tournament, uh, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, yeah. So back to front, Rui Patricio, Joshua Kimmich, Jerome Boateng, Pepe, Rafael Guerrero, Tony Cruz, Joe Allen, Griezmann, Aaron Ramsey, Pyatt, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, your thoughts? It'll start with you, Gitto. Uh, I'm not going to massively disagree with it, if I'm honest. Um, it's nice from a Welsh perspective that um, Joe Allen and Aaron Ramsey have um, been included in there. Um, Ramsey's definitely deserving of it. He's been he, he's had all his best performances for Wales in his tournament, and he's he you know he 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 doesn't always perform for Arsenal. He doesn't always perform for Wales, if I'm honest. Um, but in this tournament, he's really shown what he can do if you put him in his correct position and give him the confidence to express himself. Um, there have been some complaints that Gareth Bale isn't in the team, not just from Welsh fans. There are a lot who say that over the course of the tournament. That he's outperformed Ronaldo, but Ronaldo won it, didn't he? And and he's Ronaldo, so I'm not massively surprised that he's out of it. Uh, I, Joe, I I don't see you can you can make 
you know, you you can say that some players deserve to be in there, some players don't, etc. I I'm I'm not going to massively disagree with that squad. I I usually in these things I I disagree with quite a lot of the, the picks, but yeah, I I think all of those have decent claims to be included. Um, I have a couple disagreements, but it's not that <laughs> bad. Um, I don't think Kimmich should be in it because he didn't play right back for at least a couple of the games in the tournament. I think it was he missed the first two or three. Um, I didn't think Patricio was the best keeper at the tournament. And Ronaldo, I could give or take being in it. Uh, outside of that, the midfield five is pretty okay. Pepe definitely should be in it. Guerrero, again, definitely should be in it. Boateng, I'm fine with. Um, and yeah, the midfield five is totally fine. Yeah, this is actually an interesting one, Dylan. I, I was saying before we started and we saw the team that I thought uh, Lloris was the best keeper at this tournament and it wasn't even particularly close. What are your thoughts on that comparison and Rupert Patricio on the whole? Um, well, for the whole tournament, yes, I would agree that Rui Patricio doesn't deserve to be uh, in the team of the tournament. He, in the group stage, the, the goals that we conceded against Iceland and against Hungary he, except for one of the huge deflections against uh, Hungary, he probably could have done a lot better. But I feel in the knockout stages, he's been close to our best performer, our most important performer. Um, he's been part of the Portugal setup for about four, four, five years now. After, and he's probably the first goalkeeper that's actually held the number one jersey for a, for a while. Um, I, the thing about Lloris, I don't think he. He made a couple of fantastic saves against Germany. That's that's without a doubt. Um, but there is a few that he, he probably could have done better. But then again, like I said, Patricio, um, there's a few that he could have done better with in the tournament as well. So I think that could have gone 50-50. And I think the fact that if France won, and I think you'd all agree, then Lloris probably would have been the... Um, yeah, especially as captain. Yeah. And the fact that Patricio... Pepe, I think, got the official man of the match. But I think um, the fact that Rui Patricio, for mine, was the player of the match in the final, um, maybe that probably edged him edged him over the line. Uh, for me, Pepe Boateng, that's you know fair enough. Uh, uh, Kimmich, I agree in the fact he didn't play the first couple of games, but I can't really think of a right back that could have... Um, Overtaken him, it, but I am going to go against Guerrero. He he only played about three three games in the tournament. I think partly due to injury, he did play really well. But I thought Jonas Hector for the Germany was quite impressive um, at left back. Tony Cruz, Allen, Ramsey in the midfield, fair enough. Uh, Griezmann, player of the tournament, Payet, player of the group stage up front. Um, there's always the comparison between Gareth Bale and Ronaldo, and yes, Bale. There's you know there's definitely claims that he should be be the striker, but um, Ronaldo showed up when we needed him against Hungary. He showed up when we needed him against the Welsh, um, and you can see why he's there. And normally, uh, I think sort of like Gido was saying, sometimes you can really make. Um, say how that how has how has this team been put together? And bar barring a few minor tweaks, this is probably uh, 
an accurate reflection of the tournament. Yeah, I, I think Larice is really my big uh, bugaboo, but I, I do see your point. Um, having three of the back five being Portuguese, uh, I think makes a lot of sense, even if you don't think Guerrero necessarily should have been in there. I think the number was probably about right, considering how well you defended throughout the tournament. Uh, yeah, I do agree Joe Allen played well, but you know, if you're going to have another Welshman outside of Ramsey, I probably would have leaned Bale. Or Ben Davis single-handedly saved you four points, but that's fine. I'm not going to climb up on that high horse. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's all fair. Um, if there was a player that impressed each of you that you weren't really expecting much from, but, but you were very impressed by in this tournament, who would it be? Uh, I'll actually go for from actually Aaron Ramsey probably from a Welsh perspective and and totally I I he 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 does struggle for Wales usually but I th- I think he's been one of the best players in the tournament I think I've I've been shocked at his impact he's just been a different player to what we what we've seen for Arsenal and Wales over the last few years um so Wales or not Wales I I probably give it to Aaron Ramsey um. For not expecting, I'm trying to. I feel like I'm just thinking of the teams that were like in the last in the semifinals and stuff. But mm. for the ones I have on the top of my head, Joe Allen, I did not expect that at all. He was really, really good. Even um, Joni Esta in that first match. Yeah, yeah. Problem is, it was only that first match because they didn't play. <laughs> but uh, although that was the right decision because Bale up top on his own does not work. But um, uh, not gonna talk about that. Yeah, Joe Allen was surprisingly good, even with, I know he's Jesus and all that, but he's usually not that good. <laughs> Have you seen the comparisons on Twitter from Liverpool fans? It's just, it's clearly joking, so it's okay, but. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's the hair, it's just the hair, so I can live with it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dylan, who impressed you this tournament? Um, just, I want to touch on, I did say Kimmich, I'm not sure about right back. I just did a two second research the yeah, right back started right back at the, at the beginning no but the yeah he did but the person i'll have over him uh he probably didn't help with getting knocked out after the round of 16 dario Serna, i thought he was a boss in the um mm. group stage yeah. and of course he had um his his father passed oh, away right, right. Yeah. during the tournament so i think the the fact he was still able to perform at such a high level um in in that um those hard moments i think it's a real credit to credit to the player and i think that i think he retired maybe from yeah he did from internationals um which for when i've seen him play uh in the champions league um i've had a mind blank for Shakhtar Donetsk, i think he's a tremendous right back and he's even though he only played four games he should be the uh right back so that's my uh big gripe there um portugal won the whole thing. So give me give me a couple more than just one. <laughs> um, a player that impressed Pepe was tremendous. Um, he was sensational against Croatia and um, Poland, and I thought it was going to be such a huge loss against the Welsh. Uh, Renato Sanchez came came of age, which is incredible considering he's only been playing for you know about twelve months. Um, you know, senior football for less than twelve months. Um, Fantastic signs going forward. He's such a presence in the midfield. Uh, there'll be a lot of comparisons with Pogba throughout the next 15 years. Um, that really wasn't a clash in the uh, final because neither team, neither player were that impressive in the final. But Sanchez 
Uh, his impact on the tournament, tremendous. William Cavallo, uh, he could end up getting that move to uh, someone of the calibre of an Arsenal after that. Uh, Nani, normally a winger. He's playing striker. And I think he, out of even Nani, he probably was more impressive than um, Ronaldo. Uh, so even he could be an argument for, in the conversation for the team of the tournament. Rafa Guerrero, quality left back. Uh, he's only 21, 22. I think he just moved to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, huge future there. Um, and then, yeah, Rui Patricio, also in goals. He's, he's Portugal, had before he came in, hadn't had a number one consistently for my whole lifetime. And he's come down, held the position down. Um, I thought he would have been moved on from sporting a few years ago, but I think after this, he might get a, a move to a, a bigger club, a bigger league now. And he, all those players were, yeah, quite impressive. Outside of Portugal, yeah, I thought Ramsey was, Ramsey was sensational. He was, I'm not sure of how many men in the match awards he got in the tournament. I think Bale, because of his goals, overshadowed him in the men of the match voting, but I thought he was easily Wales' best player. Mm. Uh, with some names already gone, uh, Hector, who you mentioned, could have been in the, the team of the tournament, I thought was very impressive for Germany. Still stunned. Uh, <laughs> coming into the tournament, he had never assisted or scored for the German national team. Uh, which I thought was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, but I, I was very impressed by him. And Dan, when you mentioned teams that we haven't really thought about in a while, uh, McGovern for Northern Ireland leaps to mind. Yeah. Who, who, who was terrific in goal that, for Northern that Ireland. That would have been the... I was thinking about saying him for goalkeeper. I'm like, he just didn't play enough. He was only... Yeah, yeah if there had been more matches. Because knocked out so early. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's easily earned a move. I think he could move to a Champions League side and you know at least be in a legitimate competition for starting keeper. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if a Premier League club wouldn't mind picking him up and making him their third keeper. And by a Premier League club, obviously it's West Brom because they already have half the Northern yeah, Ireland squad anyway. anyway. Um, but yeah, I was very, very impressed with McGovern. And so if we're thinking of, of teams that haven't been involved in a while, I, th- I think I'd probably go that way. All right, that pretty much wraps up your 2016. But now we're going to look forward a little bit uh, into the next... World Cup, which is going to be in Russia, obviously based on how their fans acted at the Euros. I can't see how that tournament won't go swimmingly. But as for the actual football, which European side from this tournament do you think is best set up to succeed at the next World Cup? I'd probably still go for France um, because they've got uh, they've still got a very young squad generally, um, which has you know plenty of years ahead of it in theory. Um, whether or not. Deschamps is able to really get the best out of them in a tournament and 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 get them, you know, challenging for the World Cup seriously. I I'm yet to be entirely convinced. Even though I'm I'm not I'm not as big a, you know I, I I've not got much against Deschamps. Um, but yeah, I I still think they've got the best squad in Europe by quite some distance at the moment, uh, and there's still plenty of potential. But the main thing at the moment is that the, across international football, not just in Europe. Um, there is no obvious superpower going into the World Cup in 2018. The, the Euros were a disappointment. The big guns didn't really hit any high notes. Um, and then you look at what happened in the Copa America with the South American giants. Brazil are still in a shambolic state. Argentina no longer have Messi. 
plus a few other players, key players who have retired, you know, and it does look like that generation of um, uh, of Argentine stars um, is now fading um, and, and they need new blood. Um, so Chile are probably the obvious choice from South America. Um, and, and the rest of the world isn't really queuing up to provide great c- contenders either. So it it's very open at the moment. I think world football is absolutely screaming out for a really, really good international team uh, or two, really, to, to go into the World Cup. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a very, very open field, just like we had the Euros. Uh, yeah, I think it's between France and Germany. But I was looking at the French national team to look at their younger players that had, that weren't actually in the squad. And just for funny, apparently someone changed the French captain to the Brazilian Ronaldo, assuming that he meant the other one, and their top <laughs> scorer to Adair. <coughs> Because why not? But um, but on to the serious stuff. Um, I I want to say Germany because I think by then they'll have produced a striker, and outside of that, they have Hummels and Boateng are both incredible. Neuer is the best keeper in the world still. It maybe De Gea, but I still have Neuer. Um, Mesedozil will still be playing. Cruz will still be playing. I think or they'll. Hopefully they'll have Gundogan or any of their really good defensive midfielders. Or Royce, who's missed two consecutive big tournaments. And I just, they're they're so good. And I would think they'd be able to get some kind of striker, whether it's, I don't know, maybe Julian Brandt decides to be a striker. Maybe Tino Werner goes and takes that next step. I don't know who it is, but I think they'll have a striker by then. And at that point, they have a seemingly complete team. Mm. And it's just so good. Um, so, yes, France, uh, I feel Ghetto's, he's taken a lot of my points uh, so far. Um, it's, it's what you get for having to go last because you won the Euros. <laughs> I assume that that's a willing sacrifice. No, that's that's for sure. And so, no, um, France, yeah, a lot of young players. I feel like they would be better off for this experience. Just off the top of my head, I think Evra might be the only player that uh, will probably probably won't make the World Cup, which I think is fair Sanya, enough. maybe. Yes, yeah, so ho- hopefully for the French. I hope hopefully both of them are, are there because they surely they've got uh, better players coming through there. Uh, yeah, Germany as well. They're, they're going to be the favourites, one of the favourites for um, any major competition. But I'm going to go back to uh, Portugal. Kevin said... A lot throughout the Premier League season, how this, how that Spurs side, um, wasn't wasn't the best side that they were going to have. They were, they were going to have a better side in the years to come. Right. However, it was the this was their best chance to win. Yeah, and maybe that's what happened with the way the draw came out. Um, maybe that's really what happened here. But I have said to many people, including you off off air, uh, Kevin, that. This Portuguese side has so much um, youth that I feel that the best side's going to be um, 2018, 2020. You, just looking over the the side, Rafael Guerrero, 22, Cedric, 24, João Mara, who's had a sensational tournament, um, Danilo, William Cavalho, Andre Gomez, Renato Sanchez, um, Rafa Silva, who... Is probably the best player still in Portugal that isn't at the top, a top three club, um, and then the under twenty one side, which is the under twenty three, is going to the Olympics. Um, they sh- sh- 
were the best team at last year's under-21s tournament. They've got uh, the likes of Ruben Neves, uh, Ricardo Horta, Carlos Mane, uh, Gelson Martin, Martins, um, some real quality players, Giancarlo Guedes. Um, I feel that Portugal, um, they, they've won it now. They've won, they've won it here, which I'm, is, is fine. I'll take that. But I feel like their side uh, will only get stronger. And I also want to say that um, the Confederations Cup, obviously next year, uh, it's quite interesting that um, my two sides, Australia and Portugal, will both be featuring at that, at that tournament, which um, I think... Other than Germany, Portugal could probably take that one out as well. I want to say that the Netherlands will be ready by then, but probably not. Like I said, I think the next Euros is really their best chance. I think France is, is a boring but excellent shout. I mean, if you look at Martial, he's going to have two more years' experience. Same with Coman, same with Pogba. Maybe Benzema will be out of all of this nonsense because if Benzema's there... It does change the dynamic of everything. Although Giroud did have a very good tournament uh, in his defense. Um, Germany, I... I, But but Gignac won't be called up, and that's a good thing. Oh, my gosh. How, (laughs) on a daily basis, they thought that that substitution would work. Uh, And I know he had the chance, but that's the problem, is he'll get the chance and not finish it. And you can say it's harsh, but that's kind of been the... What happened? Yeah, it's, that was it's, that was so close to Robson Canu against uh, Slovenia, but it, it was it, that was a nice turn as well. Yeah, um, I had a heart attack at that point. I I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure you were. Well, I was I was rooting for France, but uh, rooting against Gignac, so I was so conflicted. Yeah, uh, I know that uh, this podcast is filled with people from nations that uh, have very little love for the English, but. Uh, <laughs> Any chance that they actually sort things out? No. Okay. Not with, the way, ma- not with the way their managerial candidates are looking right now. No. Like, exactly. coming down between Sam Allardyce and Jurgen Klinsmann, that's not an upgrade from Roy Hudson. I would just like to point out that I'm available in case they need someone. I am also available. <laughs> just, just on I'm a, Spartacus. On, on, a, on a half serious note on the English, the thing, the thing why they won't... Um, I don't think they'll improve that much is because this is the new team. Um, barring Rooney, they're probably all going to be there. Maybe Cahill as well. They're, they're, they're all definitely going to be in the mix for 2018. And there's no real players other that are really coming through that are, you know, you, you still, they were still arguing over whether Defoe should be at the uh, Euros. And it's, their players just aren't really good enough. Like they can do it in the the Premier League, um, but there's there's nothing that suggests that England, um, after all these years, are going to change it, especially in two years' time. And like you said, the managerial candidates, um, for mine, Sam Allardyce probably would be the best manager, but that's the problem. Sam Allardyce is the the, the best option. Um, if you're limiting with, yourself to just English managers, you're not going to have a fun time. Yeah, but that that's what I think they will do in the end. That's the that's the problem. Should have hired Harry Redknapp in whatever year that was, 2012. Oh, dear God, 2012, yeah. Yeah. Hey, it would have kept us from tanking that season, but whatever, it's fine. We only would have had Hazard, Chelsea would have won the Champions League. No big deal. We're going to move on. Um, and by move on, I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's us wrapping Euro 2016 and previewing the coming World Cup. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? 
you can find me at get.llewellyn on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to uh, follow the Jackcast at the Jackcast, we should have another pod up at the end of the week, finally, after a long wait looking back at the Euros. Uh, yeah, I'm Dan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be a part of the show. My name is Dylan Arvella, and you can find me on Twitter at Dylan Eloy Arvella. Um, I'm also part of the Box to Box podcast, which you can find at Twitter on Twitter at TBTB Podcast. Uh, in the next 48 hours, we'll be recording a big hero review, so you can catch that on most of your, your podcasting services. Yeah, and Vamos Portugal, great time to be alive. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. We do have some interesting things in the works, but we'll, we'll make sure all of them are kind of finalized before we announce them. Uh, but we will probably be adding a, a couple more shows to this channel. Also, if you'd like to tell us if you liked the segment that we put out during the Euros, not if you liked uh, what was said in them, but if you liked that format of having shorter, more frequent things released to you, uh, let us know uh, that you enjoyed it or if you hated it. But email the hate ones so it isn't public. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's called censorship. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, and we look forward to speaking with you in the future. We hope you keep listening. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.